Welcome to the Next Leadership Academy podcast hosted by Chad Jones and Cody Phillips. For those of you who are first-time listeners, the Next Academy was specifically designed for construction professionals and the unique challenges they face. Next is a year-long industry-focused program created for highly motivated, like-minded professionals, built to instill confidence and prepare leaders for what's happening now and what's coming next. Next is built on four foundational concentrations, enabling leadership, building vibrant organizations, innovation and disruption, and lastly, negotiating for a better future. Over 50 classes with an empirically-based curriculum leveraging modern technology to deliver the most user-friendly experience for each and every participant. The overarching goal of Next is to help, to help contractors become more sustainable and profitable long into the future. The feedback from our participants has been overwhelmingly positive, and I encourage you to consider walking alongside your peers on this leadership journey. Please visit our website at www.nextleadershipacademy.org to learn more. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Oh, have I got your attention now? Have I got your attention now? What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Next Leadership Academy podcast. I'm Cody Phillips, joined as always by my co-host, Chad Jones. What's up today, Mr. Jones? All's good, Cody. Great, man. It's feeling a little bit like football weather here in Pittsburgh today, which brings a smile to my face. Uh, Chad and I have been on a run with some fantastic guests, and I assure you today will be no different. Uh, grab those notepads, a fresh pencil, and get ready to take this in. As you all have grown accustomed to over the years, Chad and I will be discussing a leadership book that we feel can make a significant impact on your life in both a personal and professional level. Uh, today, we are diving into Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout by Alan Stein Jr. In today's episode, we're afforded the incredible opportunity to have Alan join us to help weave some of these concepts into the fabric of the construction industry. Alan teaches proven strategies to improve organizational performance, create effective leadership, increase team cohesion and collaboration, and develop winning mindsets, rituals, and routines. A successful business owner and veteran basketball performance coach, he spent 15 years working with the highest performing athletes on the planet, including NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Kobe Bryant. In his corporate keynote programs and workshops, Alan reveals how to utilize the same approaches in business that elite athletes use to perform at a world-class level. He delivers practical lessons that can be implemented immediately. His clients include American Express, Pepsi, Starbucks, Reed's Jewelers, FDA, OmniCell, and numerous college athletic programs. I'm so excited to talk to you today and share this book with our audience. 
First, from both Chad and I, thank you so much for being with us today. I know how incredibly busy you are, so thanks again for taking the time. How are you doing today, Alan? Oh, I'm fantastic. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. And man, you nailed that intro. I might have to take you on the road with me, man. You could be my opener. That was fantastic. So uh, no, I'm excited to be with you guys. I'm looking forward to a really fun and engaging conversation. And and I only have one goal outside of that, and that's to add as much value as I can to your audience. So you guys lead the dance and I'll do my best to keep up. All right, buddy. Well, thanks so much for the kind words. And so I guess really quick uh, to lay the groundwork for the audience, we are going to talk basketball today, but understand that these lessons and strategies and tactics are ideals that you can integrate into your personal and professional life that will help you raise and sustain your mission no matter where you are on your leadership journey. So before we dive directly into the book, I I do want to talk quickly about the unseen hours. Yeah. I. I actually read a quote this morning uh, from Damian Lillard. Obviously, you know who he is, guard for the Portland Trailblazers. And he said, if you want to look good in front of thousands, you have to outwork thousands in front of nobody. Good players work out. Great players outwork. And I heard you tell, I heard you tell this story on the Ed Milet show and I'm hoping you can tell our listeners about the experience of, of going to watch Kobe work out. I believe it was at a Nike skills Academy. And he says, sure, you know, meet me at four o'clock. He's not talking PM, he's talking AM. So can you just tell us a little bit about that story and Kobe's Mamba mentality, that desire and relentless pursuit of greatness? Oh, absolutely. And and before I do that, first of all, the, the hairs on my neck stood up and I just got some goosebumps when you read that quote from, from Dame Lillard, because uh, I love that. And that encapsulates uh, the concept of unseen hours so brilliantly. And, and a real quick story. So uh, I have a podcast as well. And my next season is all about the unseen hours. And I'm interviewing a variety of high performers and asking them what they do to prepare for the unseen hours. Well, I did an interview yesterday with a, a coaching friend of mine that I met 20 years ago when we both worked at the same high school, uh, the high school where Kevin Durant graduated from, and he just got hired uh, to run all of player development for the Portland Trailblazers. And he's been there for one week, and he already had five or six stories about Damian Lillard and what he does during the unseen hours and his commitment to excellence, and it was it was absolutely mind-blowing. So it was so cool that that without even us rehearsing this or talking about it, <laughs> you're bringing that up. And then my friend Coach Atkins really cements that and, and lets him know. And, and that's coming off the heels of Damian Lillard just signed a two-year extension for over $60 million per season, You know, the, the highest per season uh, salary of any athlete in any sport of the American sports. And yet he's still the first one to every workout, the last one to leave. He's the one elbowing the rookie saying, dude, you came up two inches short when we were running sprints. We don't do that here. We touch the line. Like that is remarkable. So I'm glad that you led with that quote. That gave me the goosebumps and certainly uh, sets Love the table it. for this discussion. Um, yeah. You know, one of my signature stories that I tell from stage and have shared on page is about meeting Kobe Bryant for the first time. And as you set it up so beautifully, I had a chance to watch one of his really early morning workouts. And I remember being so surprised that he was doing very basic drills. I mean, he was really drilling down on the fundamentals. And as a younger coach, I kind of expected Kobe to be doing some things with some more sizzle, 
a little more sexiness. You know, I, I, I didn't necessarily think he'd be in there, you know, juggling fireballs blindfolded, but I thought he was going to be doing some really intricate stuff. And instead he was just working towards mastery of the basics. And when I asked him about it later that day at camp, he said something that changed my life forever. He said the best never get bored with the basics. And that really fundamentally changed the way that, that I've led my life since that time. Um, and I try to really have a strong respect and reverence and, and focus on the basics in every area of my life. As you said during the intro, uh, this isn't just for basketball. This isn't just for business. You know, For me to be the most present and connected father I can to my three children, I try and go back to the basics of what it takes to have a connected relationship. So that lesson Kobe taught me will will be with me forever. And it's one that I'm constantly recalibrating and reminding myself of um, because, you know, I'm fallible. I'm flawed. There are times where I unconsciously start to gravitate away from the basics, but I always notice that my performance suffers when I do. And anytime I'm not achieving at the level that I believe I'm capable, I usually through some self-reflection and introspection realize I've kind of been mailing it in with the basics and I need to drill back down. So the goal is to never leave them in the first place. But if you're listening to this and you are a human being like the three of us, occasionally <laughs> that's going to happen. But you got to get back to the basics. And working towards mastery of the fundamentals during the unseen hours is the number one separator of all high performers. Love that. I think that that's really awesome perspective, Alan, and and I think that's what's really cool about this book for our listeners out there is that there's numerous ingredients for performance success there throughout the book. I mean, it's actually it's incredible, and we're only picking on a couple things during this podcast, so I encourage you to dive into the book. I have actually implemented some of the stuff in this book already, and it's changed my routine, which has been awesome. Um, so I actually have some proof in the pudding, put a little thought into some things you laid out there, and it's worked. But You've had the opportunity to work with, with these elite athletes. And like you just mentioned, Kobe being obsessed with the basics. There's little things there that, that, as you mentioned, we all drift from. Like when I think back to when I started in the current job that I'm in, there were several things that I would do each week to make sure I stayed on par. Then as you got better at your job and you got a little more confidence and a little more people started noticing you, you kind of drifted from some of those simple things that actually set you up for success. And, and it, you do need a reminder or a cold bucket of water to be like, hey, let's remember the basics. Let's get back to the basics. I think that that's such good insight on that. One of the chapters that jumped out to me, and I think a lot of the people listening probably deal with this on a daily basis, and they don't even realize probably how much they're, they're being suffocated by it, but time and energy management. You referenced something that resonated with me immediately, and I was listening to this book on audio tape working out when I heard it, but it was the hourglass. Um, and I had actually used that reference for a former defensive coordinator um, who had asked me to write something up before a game for him. I had graduated and I, I used the hourglass as a reference to a football player's playing career and that there's only so much sand. You used it in terms of life. And it's, it's still so true that, that once the sand drops, you can't get it back. Uh, but on the concept of time and energy management, especially in today's world, I am hugely guilty of this and need resets often to be able to step back and say, is this worth my time? Is this valuable? Most recently, Alan, coming out of the pandemic, I've reverted back to a more novice, immature self of forgetting how to do it because there was a nice break there. And then the world collapsed back on meeting dates and times and everything else. And I found myself saying yes to too much and, and accomplishing less 
um, because I'm overcommitting. Can you just speak to time and energy management as you looked at it through the lens of this book? Most certainly. I'm so glad you went in that direction. And I really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that. Uh, I know you know this, but make sure your listeners know uh, you're not the only one that does that. And you're not the only one that's experiencing that. And with many of these things, um, first and foremost, we have to learn how to give ourselves some grace and, and give ourselves a little bit of slack to acknowledge that we are human. You know, high performers in general, and I certainly consider both of you gentlemen to be massive high performers. We tend to be self-critical. Uh, we tend to, to, to strive towards perfectionism. We tend to think that we should be immune from making poor decisions, making mistakes, you know, um, uh, getting stagnant, slacking off. And that's just simply not the case. The key, and I'm so glad that you're at this step, is having an awareness of it. Um, so we'll never fix something we're oblivious to. We'll never improve something we're unaware of. So just the fact that you're aware of this is an area that maybe you've let slide a little bit is a massive first step. So instead of stacking on guilt and shame, which is what a lot of people do, which will only weigh you down and make this worse, you should celebrate the fact that, hey, I've got the gift of awareness. I just figured out something that I could be doing better. That is a huge first step into me rectifying and improving this. And even when I do, there's going to be something else in my life that I mess up, goof up, slip up on, and I just hope to have the awareness then. Uh, one of the things that we can do to help increase that awareness um, is to surround ourselves with people that can help us see our blind spots and can hold us accountable. Because many of the things that I'm doing unconsciously that are undermining my own fulfillment and performance are things that I'm not aware that I'm doing. So I need people that care enough about me to be in my life to call me on that and to hold me accountable to allow me to bring it to an awareness. So first and foremost, uh, I want to celebrate and congratulate the fact that you figured that out. Um, more directed to your question, you know, time is our most precious resource. And I think we all intuitively and intellectually process that more the older we get and the more right. we realize and start to question our own mortality and how much time do I have left and am I making the type of impact I want? So, so time is our most precious resource, which means our attention in the present moment is the number one currency that we have to play with. So the most, since we can't do anything about time, one, mm -hmm. the three of us and all of your listeners have no idea how much time we have left on this planet. Now we can take steps to hopefully increase the, the odds that will be around for a while. We can take care of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally. We can eat well, we can exercise, we can get sleep, we can lower stress, we can have great relationships, but none of us has a crystal ball. And anyone that thinks they do usually will get you know, served a piece of humble pie from life at some point. So we don't know. So we can't do anything about time. That sand is going to keep dropping no matter what we try and do. But what we can do is be incredibly intentional and thoughtful uh, and purposeful about where we choose to place our attention. And we can be just as thoughtful and intentional and purposeful about how we replenish our energy because you can't get time back, but you can constantly replenish energy. You know, I can say with a huge smile that, that I have just as much, if not more energy, optimism, and, and just a, a thirst for life now at 46 than I've had at any other time in my life. Now, the difference is it takes a lot more work at 46 than it did at 26. At right. 26, I could stay out till three in the morning, could have a couple of drinks and still be fine at 6 a.m. the next day. I can't do that at 46. 
You know, I have to be militaristic in my routines and my structure to allow myself to have this type of energy. Um, but I'm very, I have very high discernment and I'm very diligent about where I choose to place my attention and about restoring my, my own energy. And to your point, I used to have much less discernment when it comes to two of the most important words in our vocabulary, which are yes and no. Uh, I, I tended to say yes to almost everything because I, I inherently was a people pleaser. And, you know, going through a couple of years of therapy has helped uncover the fact that I was a people pleaser to mask certain insecurities. And I had this need for everybody to like me and everyone to want me and everyone to think I'm cool. So I figured saying yes would increase the odds they'd feel that way. So I would just say yes to everything. And, and now I've realized that, that I need to protect my time and that you can say no with professionalism and tact and manners. But if what the person is asking you to do for them is not in alignment with who you're trying to become or with your North Star, then you owe it to yourself and those that you care about to say no. You have to guard your yard and protect your time. And, and I'm getting much better at that. Uh, I'm certainly not coming from a place of mastery, but I'm, I'm making improvements. And I do better with saying no today than I've done at any other previous time in my life. And that is that has allowed me to be more intentional with where I place my attention, with how I build my schedule in my life, and with allowing me the freedom to keep restoring my energy. So learning to say no is one of the most important things we can do. And, and it's never easy. Some days I'm pretty good at it. Other days I find myself resorting back to that people-pleasing mentality. Um, but I, that's when I give myself some grace and just figure, okay, here's another chance to improve an area of my life. I think part of saying no to is recognizing your non-negotiables, right? From a from a routine and a habit standpoint, I am undoubtedly at my best when I'm following a routine. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with 75 hard. Very. But, okay. So um, I guess for those of you that aren't, I'd characterize it as a mental toughness blueprint created by the CEO of First Form, Andy Frisella. And I've utilized it probably five or six times now uh, in my life as a reset. And frankly, to be completely honest, I'm probably due for another round. <laughs> um, but, but all of it is centered around a, a disciplined approach, uh, a habitual approach to daily life. And I can't emphasize enough to the audience the importance of having routines and habits that close the performance gap of where you are and where you want to go. And I believe having these habits and routines not only allows us to perform at our best, but it also forces us to say no. There are two things that I've learned about myself over time that have been massively influential in, in how I design, design my life and, and how I build my schedule. The first is, to many people's surprise, I'm heavily introverted. Uh, I love people. Uh, I am I love, as well. Well, well that's, it's good to know, and it's good that you know that about yourself. And yeah. to make sure everyone understands that we're coming from the, the same terminology, um, I love people. I'm not antisocial. Nothing brings me more joy than being on a podcast like this or being on a stage in front of thousands of people. But these things actually drain my bucket. They drain my energy. I derive energy from solitude. I need alone time, structured, built-in alone time to allow me to fill my cup. And it's been really important for me to figure that out. 
So in order for me to be high energy and to over deliver for you all on this show, I have to balance that out with times where I'm completely in stillness and solitude so that I, I can do that. That's one. And the second thing that I've learned about myself, which I think you and I share as well, uh, is I also love structure and I love consistency and I love routine. And I realized that these are two operating systems that work really well for me, but they might not work for others. And that's okay. What's most important is, is for everyone to figure out those two things. Where do you get your energy from? Is it from being with people or is it from being in solitude? You have to figure one of those things out. And there is no right answer. It's completely individualized. And then the second is how much structure and routine do you want? Now, for me, I'm almost militaristic with how much I like to plan and how much I like my stuff structured. But I also realize, because I have some friends that have a different operating system, that almost makes them feel claustrophobic, like they're, <laughs> they're suffocating. They like to have some spontaneity. They like to have some loose frameworks up and then be able to wing it. And I don't say that in a, in a derogatory way. That's how they operate best. So the most important thing is that we all figure that out for ourselves. You know, sometimes I think we can fall victim to seeing somebody that's really successful on social media. And that person says, everybody needs to be up at 4.30 in the morning. You need to go <laughs> climb a mountain, meditate, drink a green smoothie. And if you're not doing that, then you are wasting your morning. And I just have to remind people that that might work for that person and maybe someone else, but it's not a cure-all for everyone. So figure out how much routine and structure you like and where to fit that into your day. Uh, I, I have not done 75 yet, hard yet, but I do plan to. And I think it is a remarkable program. And I like that it has the flexibility. You could do that at four in the morning. You could do that at four in the afternoon. Like it, it, it provides a framework, which I think is incredibly helpful. But I just wanted to make that point. Know where you get your energy from and know how much structure is best suited for you. If you can't answer those two questions, you probably aren't performing uh, at the level that you're capable of. I'm glad you took the time to say that because when you do something yourself that is successful, something like 75 hard, you want to tell everybody about it and you want, you're like, no, this is the key to life. <laughs> like you do this, but to your point, it's not for everyone. And, um, so it is very important individually to find what works best for you and everybody will have their own formula for success, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you, you, you brought that and put that nice pen on that. In the book, you talk about poise and self-control. And when I asked Chad, you know, some of the key areas that he wanted to discuss in the book, you know, he and I both, this was, this was at the top of our list. Uh, specifically in this chaotic world that we are a part of right now. So I'd love for you to dive deeper into these two topics and really share your wisdom on how poise and self-control can help our listeners sustain their game. This is an area that a few years ago I, I established uh, – this was somewhere that I needed to improve, something that I needed to be able to, to level up. And, and let me say that, you know, with both books, with Raise Your Game and Sustain Your Game, um, I, I wrote both of those books because those were the books I needed to read myself. You know, I wrote both of those books because I personally find it 
equal parts therapeutic and liberating to research and write about the very things that are giving me fits, the, the very things that I'm struggling with. So uh, the reason Sustain Your Game is focused on stress, stagnation, and burnout is because those are three things that I've struggled with in the past, still to to this day, now to a lesser degree, because I've been able to implement the strategies from the book on myself. <laughs> so I'm doing better uh, in all three of those areas. Um, but I'll never be cured. I'll never be immune to them. Of course, I still feel stress. I just have better tools in my toolbox now to help manage it. And and poise was a big one. Um, I view poise as the ability to be calm and composed within the eye of the storm. You know, it's as you just said so beautifully, when, when the world is going to hell in a handbasket, can I still maintain my composure? Can I still uh, uh, regulate my uh, emotions, you know, have a high emotional IQ? Um, can I treat people and show up as my best self even when I'm not feeling like my best self? You know, am I able to welcome all emotions? And I believe, I even tweeted this this morning, all emotions are okay, all behaviors aren't, which means there is nothing wrong with me feeling angry, jealous, upset, frustrated, annoyed, anything that most people would label as a bad emotion. Um, I don't label them as good or bad. I think every emotion is inherently neutral and is absolutely valid. It just depends on the context. But, but I have every right and I give myself permission to feel all of those things. However, I don't give myself the right to be rude or disrespectful or diminish either one of you guys because I'm in a bad mood. Like I, you can't do that as a leader. You can't do that as a high performer. So, so I realize the world is going to throw challenges at all of us every single day. Uh, some of them are very small and minute. You're stuck in a little bit of traffic and you're late for a lunch meeting. Uh, the, you're in a little bit of a hurry and the cashier at Target is a little bit slow. Those are minor. Then we have some pretty massive ones. Yeah, maybe you're going bankrupt. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe a loved one just got diagnosed with cancer. Like there is a huge spectrum of the challenges and adversities we face. And, and I want to be so resilient that no matter what life throws at me, I'm able to approach it with intention and, and with a calmness. And that takes a tremendous amount of practice. Uh, some days I do a pretty good job of that. Other days I'm reminded I've got a lot more work to do. Um, but either way, what I find so empowering is I'm the one in control. I will never have control over what the world is going to do. The world's going to do what the world's going to do. Just like you two and just like everyone listening or watching to this right now, I have 0% control over circumstances, events, what people say, what people do. I have 100% control on how I respond to those things. And I used to, in, you know, for the first several decades of my life, had that kind of victim mentality that these things are happening to me and woe is me and why is that? And now I've learned that, that that's irrelevant. It is not the universe's job to conspire to make me happy. The world just does what the world does. It's my job to adjust. And now that I put all of my faculties into my responses and into me adjusting to what's going on, it's been an absolute game changer. And, and it's allowed me to raise my level of poise. And, and you know, I'm certainly not hoping or wishing or wanting for anything catastrophic in my life to happen. But I also realize that's part of the human condition. Nobody gets out of this thing alive. So there is a good chance in the next year, in the next 10 years, in the next 40 years of my life, I'm going to have some massive adversity. And I now have a renewed confidence and optimism that as unpleasant as that's going to be, 
I'm going to be able to maintain poise and composure, and I'm going to be able to handle it to the best of my ability. And that gives me unbridled confidence knowing no matter what the world throws at me, I'm going to be okay. And, and, and that sounds almost as if it's an arrogant statement. And I sure hope that's not the way that it's perceived because that's not where it's coming from. It's coming from a fact that I recognize that, that things are going to happen in my life that are not my preference and some tough stuff's going to happen. But I also recognize I've developed the strength and the emotional tools to persevere. And that's right. what gives me confidence. No, that, I mean, that makes sense. And I love how the book calls it peaceful in the moment of calling being able to separate and, and giving yourself permission for those feelings, um, which I think is huge because the feelings are real, right? And then how we react to them, um, that ultimately becomes, I think, the poise you're talking about, the, the ability to reflect in the moment and allow those feelings to happen while the reaction isn't reflecting that. Um, I have a person that, um, that I work with on the side that helped me out with this specific thing and everything's visual for me. So similar to you, like, uh, there was a time period where I'd walk right into the fire. I couldn't see the fire. couldn't see where it was. Right. So, you know, and, and for argument's sake, I'd, I'd walk right into what was surely going to be a fight. And, um, in our industry, construction industry and labor relations, there's plenty of fights if you want to find them. <laughs> so, uh, for me, I, I try to take those high intense moments that I know are going to be intense. And I've, I literally mentally see myself getting into a helicopter and getting up above where I can already see the fires. So I say to myself, all right, the fires are in this room. I know where they're at. Let's not walk right into them. Let's identify them and let's go around them. Um, and it's just been a little mental trick that I've had to employ um, that saved me probably from, from embarrassing myself, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of leads us uh, to, the, to the next um, point that I wanted to jump on, which was positivity, the chapter on positivity, which is awesome. And I think what Cody and I both really like about that chapter is it starts with a word that he and I both love, which is yet, the word yet. And uh, the book describes it as yet, yet is a word of defiance, which I love because a lot of bad things can be happening to you. Um, but if you put the word yet in there, it kind of changes the narrative, you know, maybe I can't beat your ass yet, <laughs> which means it's coming. But I love the ability to put, to put that word in place mentally and understand how quick, as you say in the book, it changes the whole mindset of something that right now is a negative or a setback to something that's um, a promise or a commitment for the future. Oh, so well said. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm glad that resonated so strongly because that's what it, I, I view yet as the, the ultimate optimism of just saying, you know, it, it, keeps, the, it keeps things open-ended. It keeps the discussion going. Uh, it, it's you know, I'm climbing that proverbial mountain and I'm struggling and it's hard and it's cold and it's dark. You know, I'm not at the top yet. If I can keep my head down and I can keep climbing, there's a good chance. I'll at least increase the chance that I'll reach the summit. I also recognize there's no guarantee, you know, so, so yet isn't saying that that's automatically going to happen because that's, that's part of the human condition. None of these things are guaranteed. You know, we're all playing the, the, the statistical game of what can I do to increase the odds of getting the outcomes that I want, you know, and, and there's so many, I mean, look at any area of life, you know, whether you're trying to have a, a more deeply connected marriage or you're trying to, to, you know, make a certain amount of money or raise revenue or sales in your company, you know, either one of them, you can't guarantee there's too many factors outside of our control. 
but both of them, we can do things that will statistically increase the chance that we'll do that. You know, if you are very present with your spouse, if you are an active listener, if you learn to speak their love language, if you do all of the things you did when you were courting them, when you were dating, if you still do them 10 years later, you do all of that stuff, you increase the chance of having a, a connected, fulfilling marriage. Now, the basics. Still, yeah, the basics. Yeah. And now you still don't control what they do on their half of the fence. So it's not a guarantee. They could still leave you. They could still cheat on you. They could still, whatever. It's not a guarantee, but we need to control what we have control of. Same thing with sales. Like there's certain steps you can take for you and your organization or team to increase the likelihood that you'll continue to, to raise revenue. It's not a guarantee, but, but nothing in life is guaranteed. And we have to have that, that appreciation. And that's why I like yet. So yet's kind of, you know, I'm trying to think of the exact phrase, um, you know, is used a lot, especially in the game of basketball, you know, uh, a coach would say, you know, you lose by three or four points. And he would say something to the effect of, you know, we didn't really lose. We just ran out of time. You know, if yeah. someone would have thrown five more minutes on the clock. I think we would have, we would have come out on top. So, you know, we just didn't get there. And it's the same, it's that same mindset. I'm yeah. not there at the moment yet. If I keep doing what I'm capable of doing, I'll increase the chance of getting there. So yeah, yet is a very, very powerful word. And more than a word, it's a mindset. So in self-talk and mental self-talk, and obviously athletes talk about that a lot, but it's the same thing in business. You got to be really careful about how you're talking to yourself, right? You can turn your day, your week, or a board meeting into a miserable experience by the way you're talking to yourself about it. No so doubt. as bad as the word is can't, and sometimes we hear our children use the word, I can't. If it's followed with yet, it immediately becomes the pursuit of, of better, the pursuit of fixing something, the pursuit of challenging yourself. It automatically cancels out the can't and puts it on a path toward achievement. Yeah, yet, yet to me is a lesson in the power of language. Like one word used in the precise moment can completely change a narrative. Yet is a thought of hope. So although... You're not there yet. The hope is that there's still a chance. There's still a possibility. And that's, that's why I feel it is so powerful. It's not a closed-ended argument or statement. It's an open-ended dream that could still happen. So, Absolutely. yeah. Um, so, Alan, a lot of people that listen to this podcast – are high achievers, hard chargers in both work and life. Um, people that put a lot into their construction companies, uh, into their goals, their dreams and aspirations. They work very hard, a ton of hours. I think it's important for all of us, especially those that listen to this podcast, to keep a close eye on our personal check engine light. And I've heard you say that burnout is, which I think is so fabulous how you said it. I think you said it's a result of the misalignment between the work we're doing and our core values, our interests, the meaning behind that work. And, you know, really that you can't always grind. You can't always be on. And I'm hoping, you know, you do such a fabulous job in the book talking about beating burnout and, I'm hoping that you can offer some advice because I know it is something that people face each and every day. And it's, I think it's very easy to get caught up in it, right? Because some of us, 
we feel like we can still run when that check engine light's blinking. Um, yeah. And we can until, <laughs> until there's, a hard, there's a hard stop. Yeah, until you yeah. can't. And yeah. uh, you're in you're in a repair shop and there's no repair for what the problem is. And so just, yeah, man, if you can lend some of your awesome insight onto beating burnout, we'd love that. Be happy to. But you're right. I mean, you can until you can't. So you got to take those steps to, again, statistically decrease the chance that that check engine light's going to come on. And when it does, because you're human, then make sure that you pay attention to it. Don't put a post-it note over it and try and cover <laughs> it up. Uh, make sure you're, you're aware of it. A um, couple things there from a burnout standpoint. Now, I haven't done much in the construction space. In fact, I'm not very handy. I can barely use a hammer or a screwdriver. If, if something in my apartment breaks. Same with I, us, Alan. Yeah, well, I pay somebody <laughs> to come fix it because I'm not very good with that stuff. Um, so I'm going to kind of speak in generalities. From a meaning standpoint, it is so important that we always get to the real purpose of what our vocation is um, and, and, and really dig a, a, a few layers uh, deeper than, than what me, might seem obvious. I had a chance to, to spend some time with an executive from DHL, one of the, the logistics and shipping Goliath. Um, and basically what they talk to, and they have hundreds of thousands of employees. They are in almost every single country in the world. And he said, we don't deliver brown boxes. We deliver promises. Like that's their, their in-house tagline. That is what they say to each other all of the time. They let the person know that is working in a remote town in a remote country, working the graveyard shift in the warehouse, putting brown box after brown box onto truck after truck. They let that person know that is not a brown box you're putting on a truck. That is a little kid's birthday gift. That is not a brown box you're putting on the truck. That is a future bride's wedding dress. Like they make sure those folks stay connected to a deeper, a deeper purpose. So, um, and, and you guys can course correct if, if this analogy isn't on point with construction, but let's just say somebody's in the home building space of construction. Like you're not just building tangible structures. You are building homes where families are going to make memories and, and raise their children. Like you are providing security. You are like what you do from a construction standpoint is probably so much deeper and more meaningful than what the average person ascribes when they just hear your job title. So the first step is making sure that you connect deeply to the purpose and meaning of your work. And that's what needs to be the North Star. I understand, you know, that 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 high performers are hard drivers and we probably all on some level are infatuated with the external trappings of I want to make more money so that I can take better vacations and buy nicer cars and nicer watches. And like, I get that. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But it's been my experience and the experience of a lot of people that I've had a chance to interact with that there's not enough substance and meaning behind that for that to be the North Star. That stuff can be an amazing byproduct of pursuing the North Star. But you need to stay connected to that meaning. And when you are you are putting in hours and hours and hours and making sacrifice after sacrifice, but you no longer are connected to that meaning or purpose, that's when you're at risk of burnout. When you're no longer fascinated or curious by the work you're doing, you are at risk of burnout. When you no longer feel like you are making a contribution to something bigger than yourself or adding value to other people, now you're at risk of burnout. When, when the way you're leading your organization is no longer in alignment with your personal core values, now you're approaching burnout. So it's when these things start to splinter that we run into problems. But it all starts 
with, with that meeting. So, you know, I've done stuff in so many different industries and whether you're a teacher, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're in construction, you're a startup CEO, like really dig deep to what it is uh, that, that you provide. You know, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in the financial space and I let financial, you know, advisors and wealth managers know, like you're not in the business of helping people make money. You're in the business of providing them security. Like you're in the business of, 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 hopefully adding a level of perceived certainty so that they can sleep better at night. That's way more important than are you giving them a couple extra percentage points on a return? So we have to connect to that meaning. And, you know, folks in the construction space are no different. The work that you're doing in any area under that umbrella is incredibly meaningful and is changing people's lives. So just make sure that that's the way you look at it. And that's what will allow you, um, to hopefully make better decisions when it comes to your own time and energy management. It's a really interesting way to put it. And I feel very few when they begin their day are thinking about that deeper meaning. I love the DHL uh, metaphor because it's so true. You know, you can view it as a brown box or you can view it as a dream, a promise, uh, a wedding gift, a birthday gift, a Christmas gift. Um, yeah, just adding that deeper meaning can be the difference between it just being a job and being a career and a passion. So I love that. In our in our world, like you know, using the DHL experience in our commercial buildings and the hospitals that we do, um, you know, we're not just doing a clean room in a hospital or an operating room. You're you're creating a space in which a doctor may change the face of medicine. Exactly. That just gave me the goose, that just gave me the goosebumps. I mean, you, you just hit him. You just hit him with a mic drop. It's not time to end, but I mean, I feel like you just hit us with a mic drop right there. Well, he gave me all those good thoughts, and I'm sitting here, I'm you correlating did. it to our industry, and I'm like, man, that is a really good way to think of it because I think sometimes we go to work just thinking pipe, wire, conduit. Got to put my boot. Got to put my boots on today. Tired. It's hard work, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and all of that is true at the same time. Like all right. of these things, they're not mutually exclusive. They can all coexist. And I'm a, I'm a huge believer that in every organization or every team, regardless of size, regardless of industry or vocation, everything starts and ends with leadership. And it is leadership's job to continue to emphasize and reinforce and paint that picture of meaning and purpose. It's leadership's job to constantly remind everyone you are not showing up today to, to do some wiring or some piping or to put some nails and some, some plywood. You are on the way of following the process to provide a clean hospital room that could change the face of medicine or that allows a doctor to change somebody's life because they were able to help them with whatever, like that's, it's up to leadership to keep that afloat. And we have to do it for ourselves. We have to keep that spotlight on for ourselves so we don't get burnt out, but we have to keep reminding everyone, you know, going back to DHL, that's one of the things that they do is they get video testimonials from the parent of the little kid that opened up the birthday gift or from the bride that got the wedding dress on time and they have them record a testimonial and they make this montage of videos and they show it to the guy that works the graveyard shift in the warehouse to remind him you are important. You know, you are working during the unseen hours. You are working when the rest of the world is sleeping, but your work is important and it's valuable and look what it is that you're doing. Along those same lines, if, if you're one of the drivers for DHL and you get a flat tire, uh, w- what's going to be more motivating and inspiring for you to figure out a way to solve that problem? Thinking, I just got a bunch of brown boxes in the back 
or, oh my gosh, I could spoil someone's wedding or, or birthday by not getting these packages where they need to go. You know, you'll be so much more, whether that means you're going to change the tire yourself or you're going to call a colleague to come pick up, like whatever it may be, it changes the way we show up and the way that we do our work uh, as well. So do you want someone that just shows up every day and just kind of monot, you know, with some monotony, all right, let me nail this, let me put these wires together. Or do you want someone that's got some vigor and some, some vitality to their work and saying, man, I'm excited to complete this today because then tomorrow I'm going to do this. The next day I'm going to do this. And before you know it, we're going to provide somewhere where doctors can change the game for everyone. We, we have to keep connecting and it's not easy to do. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work and that's why we have to do these things together. We have to constantly remind. But if I'm a leader, I am talking about our North Star every single time I communicate with our team. I am talking about and emphasizing our core values every time I'm talking to the team. And I'm absolutely making sure everyone, regardless of where they fall on the org chart, stays connected to our meaning and purpose as often as possible. And the beautiful part, this is why I love my work so much, is because I'm constantly talking about this and doing it, it's reminding me. I mean, one of the things that holds me to the highest level of accountability is this is the stuff I preach about on stage and on page. You know, if I'm going to go give a keynote in two days in Minneapolis to a group of, of, of 60 different franchises, every single thing I'm going to tell them, I'm trying to live that myself. I need to uphold that and model that. Uh, one of my biggest fears in the world, and I don't mean fear as that it keeps me up at night, I mean kind of a, a deep-rooted, like something deeper, is that someone will see me say or do something that is not in alignment with what I preach in my books or on stage, which by my definition would make me a hypocrite. You know, if, if I'm telling you guys all of this stuff and I'm not living this myself, that right. makes me a hypocrite. And, and I can't think of any word that I, I would rather not be called than hypocrite. So I, this forces me to hold myself to a level of accountability because this is what I'm putting out in the world. And it's the same thing for leadership. Make sure everybody on your team is connected to meaning and it'll help keep you connected to meaning as well. Tell you That's what, awesome. man, <clears throat> tell you what, man, you've, uh, you've created a hell of a standard for yourself to live up to. But. <laughs> well, well, to that point though, but I also realize that I'm, I'm fallible and I'm flawed, that I'm going to say and do some things that are not in perfect alignment with, with what I preach and teach, that I, I give myself permission to make mistakes. Now, what I'm hoping happens when that does arise is I'll, I'll be aware of it. I'll make amends for it. I'll, I'll apologize if needed. I'll course correct, but then I'll forgive myself and I'll move on. So right. I may hold myself to an incredibly high standard and I do, and that is my choice but I am not by any means expecting perfection for the rest of my life. I know I'm going to make some mistakes. And, and I know at some point that, that, that fear is going to come to realization that I am going to say or do something that's not in alignment. But, but thankfully, I will care enough at that time to course correct. And right. you know, I need to give myself some grace to make mistakes and make boneheaded decisions. And then I need to offer that to others. So, you know, uh, with, with anyone that I work with, whether it's clients or people on my team, you know, I give them some space to make mistakes as well. And so, I hold them accountable to that because I care about them. I don't do it to, to punish them or to discipline them. You know, I call people out when they're not living up to their best selves. And then I welcome them to do the same for me. I want people to tell me when, when I'm not being my best self. I need that, that extra layer, layer of accountability. So to me, that's, that's the process. It's not about perfectionism. It's about setting a high standard and working relentlessly 
to, to achieve it or exceed it, but giving yourself a little bit of space and grace when you don't. Right. There, there's certainly something to be said for setting the bar that high, though, and trying to chase it every day. I mean, if you do fall a little bit short, you're a hell of a lot further than 90% of people that aren't chasing that bar. I think Alan agree. Like, I, I think when you're the personality that, you know, I, I can look in the mirror and know whether I'm getting it done or I'm not getting it done. And I think the ability to step back and be like, why, why am I not getting it done right now? What is the problem here? And lots of times it does come down to um, the time and the energy. And that is the stuff that ultimately feeds into what you were talking about before is the burnout. You start to feel like you're not, you're, you're saying yes to so many people, you're draining your energy, you don't have time to execute the things you want to execute. One week goes by, two weeks go by, and you're behind schedule on your goals and your organization's goals. And then that puts additional stress on, on you. And when that happens, guess what else gets stressed? The family life and the private life. And you feel like you're failing. And that's the worst feeling in the world. And so if, if you are feeling that, this book has a lot of ingredients to expand those walls again and clear your head and get fo focused on some basic steps to get you back on track. So, Alan, before we go, uh, of all the tremendous players and coaches that you've worked with, is there a a through line, like one golden ribbon that binds all of these elite performers. Uh, I know everybody's always looking for the shortcut, right? And there, there probably is no shortcut. There certainly isn't for the elite of the elite, but is there one characteristic or, um, yeah, just one through line that holds all these elite performers together? There is, and it's, it's got multiple tiers to it. And, and what a beautiful question for us to put a nice big red bow tie on this conversation, because it's going to kind of summarize many of the main principles we've just discussed. That through line includes uh, being present, not being distracted by the past or anxious by the future. Uh, that includes always staying connected to your North Star and your meaning and purpose. Uh, that includes uh, uh, embracing the basics and working towards mastery of the fundamentals during the unseen hours uh, and not getting you know, caught up in chasing what's shiny and what's sexy. Uh, that includes earning your confidence through repetition and positive self-talk, but still being humble enough to be open to coaching, open to feedback, and knowing that no matter how good you are, you can still get better. Uh, that includes not playing the comparison game of saying, okay, I'm already the best on my team, so I guess that's good enough. No, you guys may have decided I'm the best on my team, but I know I can still get better, so I'm still going to be in the gym at four in the morning working on the fundamentals. Uh, that also includes you know, being very process-oriented and saying, I don't control outcomes, but I increase the chance of getting the outcomes I desire if I stick to the process. If I focus on the little things that I need to do, you know, the habits and the behaviors and the micro skills, if I can do those things most of the time on most days, I increase the chance. Another part of that through line is the optimism of yet that, that okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite where I want to be yet. But the beautiful part is the final buzzer hasn't gone off. I mean, you know, with, without sounding too overdramatic, the only final buzzer all of us will experience is death. And we've already established that we don't know when that's coming. So we've still got some time to make that progress. And, and when you can kind of take all of that together and, and use that to kind of design your life or the, the way that you want to have a life philosophy and perspective, while at the same time 
not getting caught up in perfectionism and giving yourself some grace and some leniency to, to hit some road bumps, to make some poor decisions, to say some stupid things, you, you kind of jumble all of that together. And that's, that's what results in not just high performance, but most importantly, sustainable high performance. And it also allows you to kind of take a step outside of yourself and, and focus on some joy and fulfillment as well. That it's not just about the numbers that you put up. Just not, it's not just about being the best. Um, it's about enjoying that, that ride as well and enjoying the work you do, who you do it for, the people you do it with. Um, so I think if you kind of combine all of that together in a perfect storm, that's, that's the secret, if you will, to sustainable high performance. Well, I love it. So one, you're really special, man. I mean, you really are. Um, you've, you've, you've taken bits and pieces of like all my favorite mentors, like, uh, Ed Milet and Tim Grover and Ben Newman and John Gordon and Brian Kite and Inky Johnson and Kevin Elko and coach Saban. Uh, and you found a way to meld is meld a word. I'm honestly, I'm honestly not sure if it's a word. Let's use blend. You've blended, um, all of these folks into the best version of you. And I just, I can't thank you enough, man. I, I really appreciate your time. I thank Chad for bringing you to my attention because um, you're, like I said, man, I think you're really special. And um, this is certainly one of those episodes that I wish we could go longer. Where should people go to find you and your great work? Well, first and foremost, I, I very much appreciate your kind words and your praise. Um, I have not had a chance to meet Coach Saban yet, but everybody else on that list, I've actually had a chance to, to meet and would, would consider a friend. And all of those people awesome. have had a massive impact on my life. All of those people have poured into me. Um, if I were to sit here and literally almost like a phone book, read the people that have poured into me, we'd have to make this a six hour podcast. <laughs> I, I realize that all I'm doing is being a steward of curation and paying stuff forward that people have been kind enough to put into me. Uh, the quote that I said on Ed show that I've gotten the most feedback from is that a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. And so many people have lit my candle. So all I'm trying to do is, is pay that forward and, and light others. And, and that's what you guys are doing, you know, with, with a show like this. So um, I, I very much consider myself a curator. I'm only 46 years old. So I'm, I haven't invented any of this stuff. Like this stuff has all been around long before I have. Like I'm a huge fan of stoicism. I mean, you're talking about mm -hmm. something that's been around for thousands of years. I've been around for a blink. So none of this is my own creation. This is all going through life with wide eyes and open ears and as many times as I can, a closed mouth so that I can learn, curate, and then pass it on to someone else. And, and I hope that people found value in this. They found value in the books and they do the same thing. They take a concept that I've shared, they make it their own and they pay it forward to someone else or they adopt it in their life. So I think the more of us that can do that, then this will spread. And, and I'm so thankful for all of the folks that you just mentioned, but I'm really thankful for the two of you and for this conversation. And uh, if anyone does want to uh, explore anything further uh, from a speaking standpoint, um, you can go to allensteinjr.com. It has been my experience that, and I know this will sound very self-serving on some degree it is, there is a massive power in bringing in an outside voice. That if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, I already say all of this to my team, they can start to tune you out because you're the one that always says it to your team. 
when you bring in an outside voice to say many of the same things, it can resonate differently. This is why I have coaches and trainers and mentors and tutors for my own children because they're going to eventually tune me out as their I, father. I was and just I want to make sure say that. that. <laughs> yeah. So, so allensteinjr.com for everything I do from a speaking standpoint. StrongerTeam.com is where I, I offer some one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have a podcast, an online course, uh, information on the books. And I'm very accessible and responsive on social media at Alan Stein Jr. Uh, just shoot me a DM on Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, and I'll make sure to get back with you. And if you do want to check out either book, just search Raise Your Game or Sustain Your Game um, in either Amazon or Audible or wherever you get your books and audio books. And uh, if we get a great response from this podcast and you guys want to have me on again in the future for a part two, I would love to do it. You guys are such a pleasure to jam with. Well, yeah, we'd love that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It, well, number one, I think you're being a little humble right now. I mean, you, the impact that you've made, the stories you told are your stories. And the way that you've been able to weave all those lessons has been incredibly impactful for both Chad and I. Um, we'll be sure to include the information in the show notes to be able to purchase the book. Um, let me end with this. Sustain Your Game teaches a timeline of short-term to medium-term to long-term because, as Alan says, we're all battling all three all the time. Stress in the now, stagnation in the present, and burnout in the long-term. Uh, this book is for high performers who want to learn practical strategies and actionable steps on how to sustain their game across all three timelines. It assembles advice and lessons from successful athletes, like we mentioned before, entrepreneurs, social scientists, journalists, CEOs, motivational speakers, business coaches, consultants, as well as Alan's own personal stories. Please get this book. Chad and I could not um, implore you anymore to get this book. So thank you again. Um, I hope, Alan, that you're proud of your contributions. Thank you for the personal impact that you've had on Chad and I. Thank you for the insightful conversation here today and for coming on our podcast. If we can ever help you, please never hesitate to reach out. And thank you so much for your leadership and your impact. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Next Academy podcast, where we focus on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. As always, we hope you found great value in today's episode. Don't be defined by yesterday. Be the best version of you today. Every day is another opportunity to learn and grow. If you're in the construction industry or you know of someone who is, please visit our website at nextleadershipacademy.org to learn more about the Next Academy. Our registration is closed for the current year, but we'd love for you to hop on our waiting list that will allow you to be notified first when registration opens. Next is a unique 12-month training ground that is committed to helping participants become more prepared, dynamic leaders who can drive their company's sustainability and profitability into the future. If you're in search of personal and professional growth and ready to challenge yourself, you should consider Next in the future. Thank you so much for your support of these episodes, your support of what we are building at the Next Academy, and your willingness to hit that share button, that like button, and pass along this content to coworkers, friends, and family across all of the social media landscape. If we can ever help you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out. We're always here to help, or more importantly, 
find you the necessary resources that can help you on your leadership journey. Please be safe and smart out there. We look forward to catching up again soon. Until then, attack the week ahead, own your life, and be next. Next.